Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it to you when you have it with you. That's Proverbs 3, 27 through 28. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you guys let everyone know about this episode. we got some important stuff to cover today. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, I suppose, to us. We are back in town, in the country. We had the privilege, the honor of going to Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland to serve the churches that we've helped to raise up out there uh, who are preaching the gospel in the midst of their now new Holocaust in Ireland, the North, and in the Republic. And so, praise God, it was truly a humbling honor to see all that God has done through the work of Apologia Church, uh, encouraging, pouring into those brothers and sisters there. They're out saving lives right now. We have some stuff to report about that, but we're back in town, so thank you guys so much for being patient with us the last two weeks as we didn't have a show, uh, but we're back, very excited about the months to come and what is going on uh, into the new year and uh, next year. Uh, we have uh, states we're working on right now with bills of equal protection and abolition. We have so much going on. We have some content we are putting together for everybody right now to bless you, to encourage you, to equip you. And so lots going on. Uh, encourage you to go to apologiastudios.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, apologiastudios.com. Uh, go there, get all the past episodes from Provoked, from Cultish, from Sheologians, Apologia Radio. You can also sign up for All Access, and when you do sign up for All Access, you partner with us in ministry, and you make everything that we do possible. So if, as I always say, if you see content on Apologia Studios, on any of our platforms, whether it is teaching ministry, whether it is on-the-street evangelism, whether it is public debate stuff, uh, stuff for end abortion now, anything at all, uh, it's all made possible through our partners in ministry with us. So thank you all so much. Don't forget to sign up for your free, free, free account at apologiastudios.com for Bonson U. It is a, an online seminary course. It is from one of the greatest in church history, to my mind. Uh, you are going to get training in philosophy and apologetics. That's, a, that's defending your faith, uh, church history, um, 
uh, exposition of scripture, everything. It is there entrusted to us by the Bonson family, and it is uh, given to you for free. And thanks again to all of our Apologia All Access partners, because you actually helped to fund that so that it can be free for others. So don't forget to sign up. My son uh, is actually taking as one of his uh, courses for school. Uh, he's homeschooled, uh, and he's taking one of his uh, the courses from Bonson uh, U for school for philosophy and apologetics. So learning worldview, learning debate, all that stuff. So homeschoolers, families, excellent stuff there for you guys to give your kids uh, a, cl- a course, a class, that's what it is, from seminary, um, on all kinds of stuff, philosophy, worldview, debate, all that stuff, logic. Uh, it's a fantastic resource and it's free. So if you're not using it, you need to use it. Uh, it's a huge blessing. It'll be a gift to you uh, and to your family. So um, we're back and I uh, want to just highlight everyone. Uh, go to reformcon.org. Please go to reformcon.org. Get your tickets because uh, limited seating. End of October, Reformation Day weekend, ReformCon. And uh, I am Jeff, the Common Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. And that is Zach what Conover, up? our Director of Communications for End Abortion Now. Important show for you today. But before we start, I'm going to kick it over to Luke. So I had a, a really interesting conversation with one of our Irish brothers. I'm not going to say his name. About tyranny. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were t- actually talking about January 6th. Um, and not that he believed that there was an insurrection, but you know, just the whole narrative. And he turns to me and says, <laughs> I mean, your nation was kind of founded on an insurrection, wasn't it? And it's kind of laughed. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna let that one go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> uh, no, I disagree with that. And then yeah. he's like, I was just kidding. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you were. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I bring that up because, um, I wanted to mention our good friends at the Armored Republic who are fighting tyranny with uh, body armor. My brain's not working today either. You feel it? You feeling it? Yes, I'm alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel? I'm feeling a little slow. A little slow. Bear with me here. I didn't travel, so yeah, yeah. Uh, We're still adjusting, guys. Being back from Ireland, eight hours ahead. (laughs) Uh, But few people know that in 1776, the newly formed United States rented private battleships to help them resist British tyranny. Private battleships. That's right. Private battleships. So that's what we use to fight tyranny. And uh, you know, it's funny as I, you know, the the nice gentleman that made that comment to me is like, it's your ancestors that actually came. And we're the ones resisting the tyranny. So thank you for that. Um, private battleships are a tool appreciate of liberty. You. Yeah, pre- much a preach. <laughs> uh, the equipment to res- uh, to resist tyranny. Another tool of liberty is body armor, a defensive tool, so you can stay in the fight for as long as possible. At Armored Republic, we stand for aiming free men with body armor. Uh, arming free men with body armor. <laughs> it's gonna be a day, <laughs> so they can resist tyranny for Christ the King. Check out our website at ar500armor.com. Sign up for a mail email list. Equip yourself. Join the Armored Republic today. Yeah, just so everyone knows, uh, Luke and I are going to be as, as useful as we can be today during this radio program. We actually informed uh, Zach and our guest today, Pastor Brian Gunter, yeah. that uh, we needed them to help carry the show because uh, we're just uh, not working today. So it's, it's weird. Like, you go to Ireland, they're yeah. eight hours ahead. That first day when you land, you haven't slept because the overnight flight, by the time You're you get loopy. there, it's still, like, yeah. the nighttime for mm. you. So, like, you just you'd have to push through, that, push through that first day. And then you spend, like, five days. You're like, okay, I'm basically adjusted. Then we turned around, we came home, and now... Here we go. So yeah. the brain's not fully functioning. I adjusted but. pretty quickly there. Like yeah. I felt pretty good most of the time, but coming back is, I don't know what it is, but 
just my sleep. I can't get my sleep right. Yeah. Westward travel. Yeah, it's tough. This is your, it, it is your tough. equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have lots of stuff, by the way, to share, to share with everybody about Ireland, but we're going to do that after, and you'll be seeing stuff in the in the weeks to come. The, the, the crew is working on uh, producing the content for all of you guys. Especially hope it's a blessing for all of you guys that give to end abortion now, uh, because not only are you a part of all the churches we've raised up that are saving just tens of thousands of lives, uh, you're not only a part of the bills that we're putting in uh, to states uh, to establish equal protection, but you're a part of the work that actually is happening now in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. So we hope it's a blessing to you guys. So you'll notice today uh, the title of the show today is Witch Casts a Spell. Which casts a spell and uh, the SBC pres- president's ignorance. Now, just so everybody knows, at the outset, uh, we want to love our brothers, uh, acknowledge that uh, uh, Barber is a brother in the Lord. He loves Jesus. We love him uh, uh, for Jesus' sake. But um, ignorance is ignorance. We mean that in a classical sense. Ignorant. Uh, you don't understand um, and uh, so we're going to confront a bit of the SBC president, the new SBC president's ignorance on the issue of equal protection and the abolition of abortion. And so to do that, we have a special guest today with us. You guys have seen him before. It is Pastor Brian Gunter. He is the man that we work together with within Abortion Now and Bradley Pierce uh, uh, in uh, Texas uh, to uh, put the bill, the historic bill, into the state of Louisiana that passed hearing, first to pass hearing uh, in the history of Roe versus Wade, the time of Roe versus Wade, went to the floor, the bill of abolition that caused all the problems and is still causing no small controversy. There's just a recent CNN article. CNN apparently is just now catching up with what happened months ago. A little slow. They're behind the eight ball a little bit. Uh, But uh, they just published an article talking about Danny McCormick and uh, some of Brian Gunter and Bradley Pierce in that article. And so it's a good time to talk about all of this. Uh, Welcome to the show, Brian Gunter. It's good to be here with you guys. Uh, After after this CNN article dropped, I've had all kinds of uh, fans reach out to me. You know, a lot of lot of mail coming in, uh, a lot of lot of messages. And uh, I just love to. uh, hear from uh, my leftist friends right who want to support baby murder fan so, mail fan mail lots of fan mail yeah fan mail fan voicemails you know it's interesting cnn uh, christian nationalist news network mm. Mm. just another way to right kind of because they love to throw that out as a derogatory statement right. against christians that believe the bible you guys believe that all the so. nations should be under christ <laughs> yeah it's like well you're you're way behind clearly you're way behind because that yeah. was uh that's about two thousand year old teaching all the nations come into yeah. christ your understanding has not ascended yeah. to the right place <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so uh given you know, that discussion uh pastor brian uh was mentioned in the cnn article just a couple of days ago as again, Danny McCormick was our, our representative in the state of Louisiana who put the bill in. And, um, and so Brian's been getting some voicemails and, um, and uh, some threats and all the rest. And so I'm going to play uh, the voicemail uh, that he received on his church's uh, voicemail. Uh, just a warning ahead of time as you guys hear this. This person claims to be a witch who casts a spell on Pastor Brian and she's threatening him. Um, just a warning ahead of time. There is, I think, one curse word in this and so it's a live show right now we didn't prepare anything to bleep it out so just so you know there's one cur- curse word coming up so if you got kids around yeah. maybe turn it down a bit but um this is the uh the voicemail that pastor brian got at uh, at church you people will never have a blessed day again regarding your views on a woman's right to choose and calling a woman a murderer if she's raped and doesn't want the the cancer um uh, let me tell you something jesus hates you 
I know for a fact Jesus would never act like that. My father is a minister from Baton Rouge. He would be rolling in his grave knowing that this piece of shit, what's his name? Uh, Brian Gunter, he's going to rot in hell. In fact, something really bad's going to happen to him soon. You know why? Because I'm a witch and I just put a curse on him. That's right. And Jesus hates him and he hates your church. Bye. Have fun in hell. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had to guess it gets me every time. What's Bye. your name? Pastor Brian Gunter. Um, it well, just escalated so fast. It did escalate. It went from, like threat yeah. to spell. Yeah. Like, I'm going to spell you. I wonder how well spell a, you. I wonder how well a t-shirt would sell in her circles, the t-shirt that says Jesus hates you. Like, you know, I mean Oh, we got to find a way to spin that. Yeah. Jesus Jesus hates you. Uh interesting. So yeah, and that's not the only thing that Pastor Brian has got. Um and um you know, it's obviously intense, but you know, I just I, I was looking down here, the passage I read at the beginning of the program today was Proverbs chapter 3. And that's, uh, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Um, it's just a couple of verses down. There's this, this, uh, this contrast that keeps happening. I'm going to talk about actually this, this, this Sunday of the Lord's Day, um, the contrast between um, the devious person and the upright, uh, the abomination versus God's friendship or confidence, the curse versus the blessing. But it says here, it says, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. And, and so I, I, it would be good to share with a person who says that they're a witch who's casting spells and curses. Uh, we're not concerned as Christians about any curses that you would put on us. I mean, the, the curse you need to be concerned with is the curse that God puts on the yep. house of the wicked. His curse counts. Um, and it says he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. And so Brian's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Brian's fine. Uh, but Brian. Well, I did, I did have some unexplained warts that I'd woken up with that morning. And oh, no. Voicemail. And I was like, oh, okay. That's that, that explains it. So, yeah. Other than that. Yeah. <laughs> this warts. I guess that's minimal. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, catch everybody up. So in case you guys are new to the discussion, I'll just try to just give you a, a burst on, on the last year, what happened, uh, just so you have some context. So what CNN was writing about, which Rachel, what Rachel Maddow commented on, which was in the New York Times, all that, was our bill. We worked together with Pastor Brian and Danny McCormick uh, on, it was in the state of Louisiana, it was a bill of equal protection. It's a bill that basically defined what's in the womb as human human from conception. It said that it's, it's the image of God, and it uh, essentially would legislate um, that there would be equal justice, equal protection for all humans from the moment of conception. So equality for all human beings, you're human from conception, image of God. That's what it said. And so again, this created no small controversy. The pro-life establishment and industry came out in full force against the Bill of Equal Protection. They are not looking for bills of equal protection because they do not believe the mother or the father, uh, is ultimately guilty for slaughtering a child in the womb. Um, they are um, really helping with the DIY abortion um, uh, problem uh, because they do not believe that a woman is guilty, should right. be ever seen as guilty. And so they, they did not like the Bill of Equal Protection. They uh, worked together uh, on a letter. Over 70 of the uh, largest uh, pr predominant, uh, prominent uh pro-life organizations in a nation, uh, sent that letter out uh, to legislators across the country. In particular, it went to our legislators. They were carrying it in their hands that day. 
um, and to ask them not to pass bills of equal protection that would ever, ever see the woman as guilty. So they're not working to abolish uh, abortion, um, and they're not working to make it a crime for a mother or father to kill their children. And so that's what happened. This bill uh, was the first of its kind. It's unique, by the way, in uh, the history of uh, Roe versus Wade in this nation. Is unique because uh, the pro-life establishment hasn't been working to criminalize abortion in the United States of America uh, and to provide equal protection. So the fact that we've had all these bills of equal protection over the last couple of years was unique in itself, and that was coming from the church and Christians in particular. But this one in particular was unique because, and historic, because it went to the hearing stage. They usually block that. When I say they, I mean the pro-life establishment blocks it. But it made it to hearing, and then it made past hearing, sailed through, um, seven to two. And so uh, it went to the floor, and uh, it was resisted and ultimately shut down, not by the pro-choicers, but by the pro-life establishment. So that's who Brian is. Uh, if you're new to Apologia Radio, Apologia Studios, that's who Brian is. He is a brother in the Lord. We love him. We work closely together with him. We're going to do more with him uh, coming up soon in the future. Uh, Lord willing, of course, but that's what we're planning. And so uh, Pastor Brian, uh, aside from, of course, all the threats you've been getting and everything else, the last couple of days, there's been a bit of a controversy surrounding the SBC's new president, Brent Barber, um, he has been throwing Bart, his... Bart. Bart Barber. Bart, sorry, sorry. Brent Leatherwood. You, you practiced too. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I did practice. Are you saw me rehearsing? Yeah. Okay. Brent Leatherwood is the head of the ERLC, which is the sort of uh, political arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Bart Barber is the new president of the SBC. Mm-hmm. And so Bart Barber has been throwing his hat into the ring uh, over the recent days regarding the issue of um, equal protection and abolition. And he is, I'll say this with grace to him because he loves the Lord. He is a brother in the Lord. He's just wrong here. He is completely ignorant. He's ignorant. And I would, if you, if you see this, uh, brother, I'd invite you on the show. I'd invite you on the show. Let's sit and let's have a roundtable discussion. Better yet, we'll fly out to wherever you're at. We'll sit down with Pastor Brian. We'll sit down with Bradley Pierce and and us and we'll work through these things with you because you are undeniably ignorant. And you're, what you're doing is you're leaving a public record of ignorance. And I, I don't want that for you. I don't, I don't rejoice in that, but you, you are undeniably leaving a record of public ignorance, uh, which is, is not good for the Southern Baptist Convention's president to be making these kind of mistakes publicly. And uh, the mistakes that you're making are mistakes that actually lead to the slaughter of the unborn. It helps it. And so it's, this is no small matter. It's a very big deal. So as we leap into this, Pastor Brian, uh, talk to us about your thoughts about all this. Yeah, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist Convention pastor. Uh, First Baptist Church in Livingston, Louisiana is an SBC church. And, um, you know, we're going to have to reconsider this moving forward. But uh, up to this point in time, uh, 10% of every dollar that is given in our church, uh, we send on through the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and we send tens of thousands of dollars annually in an effort to support the gospel going forward and the work of missions uh, to the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, really, the reason why the SBC exists is primarily to educate pastors, the next generation of ministers, and uh, to uh, send the gospel forward through uh, missionaries. 
uh, and spreading the gospel and planting churches across the world. And so that is why churches give to the SBC. That's why we're a part of the SBC. And it's really unfortunate that Bart Barber, who is the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention, who ran with the promise that he was going to unify the Southern Baptist Convention after the last president's plagiarism scandal caused so much division. Um, you know, what we what we saw was a man promising to unify us. And then when he's elected, he starts personally attacking pastors who support abolition. He attacked my good friend, Dusty Devers. And, um, you know, he's going after pastors who want abortion uh, to be fully criminalized. And he's attacking them on Twitter. And, you know, I've never been on Twitter before. I didn't want to be on Twitter. But when the president of my convention is attacking pastors like myself who support abolition, um, we have to respond. This cannot go unanswered. Well, and that's a good point here. So let's bring the audience into this, Pastor Brian, as we get people caught up who are maybe new to this discussion, as we engage this and begin to unpack and engage with some of um, Barber's um, you know, ignorance around this issue. You mentioned that you're a Southern Baptist Convention pastor. Um, you've got other Southern Baptist Convention pastors who are ultimately engaging with the Southern Baptist Convention's new president on this issue, and he's displaying ignorance. He's acting as though it was not the SBC members who voted right. for equal protection. It's it's almost like we we want to pretend the like that didn't actually happen. And so just for everyone's, just for a record for everybody, and even for Barbara, if you see this, brother, um, this is actually some footage from when that took place two years ago in Nashville. I was there. Louisiana. This is not the Bill Askell resolution. This is the resolution calling for the abolishing of abortion submitted by scores of pastors from across this Southern Baptist Convention. Now, we will vote on the resolution itself as amended. If you are in favor of the resolution as amended with the word alone put into clause 14, if you are in favor of that, please indicate so by uplifted ballot. Okay, all opposed, same sign. The affirmative has it and the resolution is adopted. So that was uh, footage from the Southern Baptist Convention's annual member meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. I was sitting in the very back there, and you could see Pastor Brian was actually sitting right there by Askell in that clip. And so Brian and I were there. Uh, we were there. We were witnesses. There's a whole bunch of other witnesses. You just witnessed it yourself. The Southern Baptist Convention members voted for bills of abolition and equal protection. And that's what makes this so challenging at this point, is that this is already something that has been voted on by the members of the Southern Baptist Convention. And now you have the Southern Baptist Convention's new president actually saying things that display ignorance, mm -hmm. but also display opposition against what is the, the, the voted in position of the members of the SBC. Correct, Brian? That's absolutely correct. You know, Jeff, you and I met at the convention in Nashville. And uh, I remember the conversation that we first had, you know, I said, look, I've been working in the pro-life movement for years, but I agree with what you're saying. And, um, you know, we talked about these things and realized that we agreed and we would work together 
uh, toward ending abortion in Louisiana and states across America. Look, that's what we're asking Bart Barber to do is to have a brotherly discussion. And instead of coming to us and talking about these things, he is attacking pastors uh, and people who support the abolition of abortion. And, and let's just make it really clear what the messengers in Nashville voted to be the official policy of the Southern Baptist Convention. We voted that we wanted bills that would abolish abortion and make it a crime for anyone to kill a preborn child. Mm. Now, this is a really important point. That's it's right. a really important distinction. That's right. The pro life establishment. And we saw it in the May 12th letter uh, authored by National Right to Life Committee and signed by over 70 so-called pro-life organizations around the country. Uh, in that letter, they said that they are absolutely opposed to any bills that would criminalize abortion for the woman, which means they do not want it to be a crime for the woman to have an abortion. They want it to be legal for her to have an abortion. And if she does so, she will face no consequences whatsoever. Well, I don't believe that anyone should have the legal immunity to kill children in this nation. Right. There is no one who has the right or should have legal immunity to kill a child. And it's the position of apparently Bart Barber, he said it publicly on Twitter, and of the National Right to Life Committee and many in the pro-life establishment that they believe that women who kill their children by abortion should face no consequences. Now, we need to be clear here. They don't want abortion clinics to exist. They want abortion clinics to be criminalized, but they want abortion to be legal for women. That's a fact. And what we're saying is, no, it shouldn't be legal for anyone to kill a child in America. That is not an extreme position. No, and, and, and Pastor Brian... <laughs> Let's let's just make sure we have integrity here and we're fair and everyone hears this. What Pastor Brian said there was true. It's undeniable. Because it seems outrageous, right, to say that the pro-life establishment wants abortion to be legal for the mother. That seems outrageous. It seems conspiracy theorist. It seems like you're being unfair. Uh, it's the truth. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was on the floor in Louisiana. Uh, when this all took, went down in Louisiana. And that one instance in Louisiana was the greatest display. You can look it up for yourself. The pro-life establishment came in and they convinced the legislators to not pass the bill that a week prior they were all behind uh, and said they were going to vote yes on. They were going to abolish and criminalize abortion in Louisiana because the pro-life establishment came in and said, no, we do not want women to ever be seen as guilty or criminalized for the issue of abortion. So what Pastor Brian said is their public position. Mm -hmm. They wrote a letter on it. They put it out to and let me read. Yeah. Let me read what is now law in Louisiana. They they defeated House Bill 813, the bill to abolish abortion. And instead, they passed Senate Bill 388. And it's now Act Number 548 because this is current law in Louisiana. They decided this should be the law instead. Uh, Senate Bill 388 establishes the crime of criminal abortion. And it makes it a crime in the state of Louisiana to possess or consume the abortion pill. Now, so far, it sounds good, right? Except when you get to page three, section D, we see that none of the following shall be construed to create the crime of criminal abortion by means of an abortion-inducing drug. And among the exceptions, number two is any act taken or omission 
by a pregnant woman with regard to her own unborn child, which means the only people, it's not a crime to possess or consume the abortion pill is pregnant women. Mm -hmm. I don't know who else is taking abortion pills in Louisiana. It's a crime for them. But if you're a pregnant woman, it's not a crime. And then exception three makes it very clear. It's not a crime for a woman who is possessing for her own consumption or consuming an abortion-inducing drug in violation of this section. She has legal immunity to procure, possess, and consume an abortion pill anytime she gets pregnant. And it was the pro-life establishment led by the National Right to Life Committee and Louisiana Right to Life in this state, whom I used to work with and work for, they passed Senate Bill 388. And this is the really deceptive part of it. They ensured that it would be legal for women in Louisiana to procure, possess, and consume the abortion pill. You have to understand this. They passed a law which ensured that women would be able to take the abortion pill and have abortions in Louisiana as long as they do it themselves and they passed that law and called it pro-life. Yeah, so Brian, you're saying that it wasn't the pro-choicers that passed this into legislation. It was pro-lifers. This is a pro-life establishment idea. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, so, and it, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, you know, Louisiana Right to Life was saying after Dobbs was overturned on their Facebook page, they were saying, now we still need to be careful um, because black market abortions are on the rise in Louisiana. And there's two problems with their statement. Number one, they're not black market abortions anymore. And the second problem is you're the one who made them legal. You passed Senate Bill 388 to make DIY abortions legal in the state of Louisiana. I mean, this is, this is, I, I know it sounds amazing, but go read the bill for yourself. Right. This is what they've done. Well, and I think it's important for us to demonstrate to everybody again, again, uh, my assumption is there's new people watching. You're just getting into this conversation. When you hear us talking um, in negative terms about the pro-life movement, the pro-life establishment, the pro-life industry, it is because we're approaching this issue as Christians, Mm -hmm. as pastors, as believers, as followers of Christ, as people who believe in this revelation as the ultimate standard. And what many people are unaware of as they're getting into into this discussion for the first time is that the pro-life establishment believes in something that is, from a Christian perspective, heretical. They believe in in a heresy. It's a doctrinal issue. The pro-life establishment teaches people what is true. That's called doctrine. The Christian church has doctrine. We have teaching. The pro-life establishment has doctrine. They go across the country. They teach people what's true about the issue of abortion, who's guilty, who's not guilty. So they have a doctrine. Their doctrine is heretical. It is not biblical. It is not even historically orthodox. I'm, I'm grateful to God. Christian church history is a mess. It is glorious at times, and it's also super messy. You have heroes of the faith saying things that are just like Paul and Jesus, and you're like, that's amazing. And then they engage in some of the most egregious self-contradiction imaginary. There's self-contradiction. There's community contradiction. That's what sanctification looks like in a church that's saved by Jesus. Over time, we get sanctified. People are fallible, uninspired. They make mistakes. Great. But one of the things I love 
is that you can see in the history of the Christian church, there is this area of consistency around the issue of the unborn. From the earliest days of the Christian church on, you can see a consistent Christian position around the issue of the pre-born. You have in the earliest stage of the church, the Didache, uh, talking about abortion as murder. Uh, You have moving in the first four or five centuries of the church, the issue comes up a number of times, and they call it guilt, they call it sin, they call it murder, and they see the person involved in it as actually guilty. And lo and behold, praise God they do, because it actually means that the gospel can impact that woman, and it can give the message of life and forgiveness and salvation to that woman. The pro-life establishment, however, has a heretical position that says that the woman is never to be seen as guilty. She's as much a victim as her baby is. Mm-hmm. And so it is a devastatingly bad position. It is heresy, it is false doctrine, and it is destructive to the work of the Christian church to establish justice for the preborn. So I want you to see it with your own eyes. Don't just take my word for it. You want to have a witness to this? We'll give you a witness to this. You can have loads of videos that we've already done. You can see the stuff that Pastor Brian is referring to right now. You can see the letter they handed out to our legislators that day in Louisiana telling them not to pass the bill that would actually criminalize it for the mother. But I think this is better because we're talking about the SBC. This is Pastor Brian. We were together this year in Anaheim as well. Two years in a row, Brian. Maybe next year if they let me in. Um, they may, they may not in let New us Orleans. in. Next, well, they may not You'll let us in. Backyard. Well, New they'll Orleans. let you in in New Orleans, but they won't. They may not, won't let me in this year. Um, but we were this. We were together in Anaheim, and in Anaheim, Pastor Brian. We were praying for this opportunity. Pastor Brian got the opportunity to go up and talk to Brent Leatherwood, the head of the ERLC, because Brent Leatherwood's name was on the letter that was handed out yeah. to our legislators, saying, "Don't pass this bill or anything like it." And so Pastor Brian got the opportunity to go up and to ask him a question. And I want you to witness it for yourselves. And then we'll get right into Barber's comments on Twitter. Legislators to introduce House Bill 813 in the Louisiana legislature. HB 813 was a bill that sought to immediately end all abortion in my state by providing equal protection to the child in the womb, simply stated If life begins at conception, then our laws should protect life from the moment of conception. So you can imagine my surprise when when you signed a letter dated May 12th urging all state lawmakers across America to oppose this bill and others like it because it would make it a crime for a woman to kill her own child by abortion. I thought that Southern Baptists, when we say we're pro-life, we mean that no person should be able to murder an innocent child in the womb. So this is my question. Is it really your position that the mother who willfully kills her own child by abortion is never guilty before God and she should never face any consequences under the law? Essentially, the question is, hey, I thought we said we believed this. It's human from conception. Why are you working against the bills that would actually say that, that it's human from conception and all humans deserve equal protection? Here's the reality. You're not going to get me to say that I want to throw mothers behind bars. That's not the view of this entity. That is not the view of this convention. 
It is not the view of the pro-life movement. So quickly, um, we've said this many times, important to say it every time we, we go over this. When Leatherwood says, it's not my position that we should throw women behind bars, mm-hmm. we always say this, he needed to finish the sentence, right? Complete it. Mm-hmm. Because women behind bars, mothers behind bars, well, we're talking about something specific, women who murder their children behind bars. Now say it like that, and it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense anymore, does it? If you say it in terms of the context, like if I were to say, hey, it's not my position that we throw women who murder their children behind bars, people would say, huh? Huh? Mm, (laughs) What? But he left it out on purpose because it's an emotional manipulation of the audience. Women and mothers behind bars. Who wants women and mothers behind bars? Who wants to throw mama in jail? Well, nobody. But if you actually finish the sentence, the mother who murders her child, then you go, but hold on now. Wait a second. Let's hold, hold it back. Let's talk about that. Of course, mothers who murder their children according to the Christian worldview and a legal perspective, ought to be uh, punished for it. But he didn't say that. Also, he said it's not the position of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, yeah, it is. They voted on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. They voted on equal protection. They voted on that. And uh, that anybody involved in killing a child in the womb should be criminalized. That, that's already been voted on, so you're actually incorrect. However, you are right about one thing. It's not the position of the pro-life movement. You're right about that. Yeah, you got that part right. You got that part right. Uh, But there's a distinction between the pro-life establishment and movement and industry and what Mm -hmm. they teach as doctrine and what the Christian church has believed for 2,000 years and what the scriptures plainly teach on this issue. And so, Pastor Brian, give us some more commentary. We'll jump right into Barber. Yeah, I want to make a a really important point here. When Brent Leatherwood said to me in Anaheim this summer at the SBC, when he said that I wasn't going to get him to say that we should throw women behind bars. And you're right. He was talking about women who murder their preborn children. I I would have had these follow-up questions for him. Okay, Mr. Leatherwood, what about women who kill their newborn children? Should they have legal immunity? Or should women in America be able to kill their newborn children? And if someone were to say, that's absurd, why would you even suggest such a thing? Of course, it's absurd. But then I would say, okay, so I believe that women who kill their pre-born children should not be granted legal immunity and allowed to do so by law. You believe they should. We both agree that women who kill their newborn children should be punished for doing so. My question is, What's the difference between the preborn child and the newborn child? Do you either A, believe that life does not begin at conception, but you really believe that life begins at birth, or B, do you simply think it's okay for some people to be murdered? Which is it? Yeah. I just thought of something. Sorry, while, you, while you're playing that clip, I never really thought about this before, but um you know, when, when we're asking, well, who wants to put the mothers, you know, behind bars or whatever, um, you know, who they're not asking is, uh, the, the dads or the grandparents of those murdered babies. Now, granted, there's going to be a lot of dads and grandparents that probably wanted that baby murdered and they are also guilty and probably should be behind bars, but I'm sure there's a lot of dads and grandparents that are like, 
But that was my grandchild. That was my son. That was my daughter that that woman murdered. I want her behind bars, but nobody's asking them. How many times, Pastor Luke, over the last decade of ministry outside the abortion mill, have we seen the instances where you have a father who's like grieving on the sidewalk and he's bawling his eyes out because the mother is bringing his baby inside and he can't do anything about it. And he's outside and we're praying with him and he's, you know, sobbing and weeping on the sidewalk because he wants his child and she has the permission of the legislature currently to actually go in and do that against his own will. And so, yeah, there's Mm. some some tragic circumstances where you have exactly that taking place. And the government has actively discipled an entire generation of people through, you know, Roe and all of that to believe that he has no say, legal or otherwise, in terms of his child and what happens. He's on the outside looking in. The one who's really empowered to do this is the woman of her own volition mm-hmm. taking you know with intent this child's life and yeah so he, they've already stripped the man of justice i mean this is this is a justice issue mm-hmm. all across the board exactly. for all parties involved and that's really the at the crux of this as i hear you guys talking about it i think one thing to point out is you can't separate someone's belief from the practical action that they take um Proverbs is clear about that. Whatever doctrine you end up internalizing, we'll see it in your life. Yeah. For ill or not, we'll we'll know if you really believe it. And so the profession of your mouth better match the action of your hand. And we can tell very clearly that in the laws that the pro-life industry publishes, the heretical belief comes out in the action that they take. So they say one thing, but the belief that they hold is evidenced by what we see externally. Mm-hmm. What do we really believe? Well, we see it in the law. These people, this class of people ought to be excused yeah. from responsibility. Why? Could be cultural or otherwise. But when you come up against, you know, the solid rock of, of God's law and God's word, like Jesus talks about love for neighbor. Where is he getting that? Leviticus. Leviticus 19.15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. So there is an explicit prohibition against slanting the standard of justice towards either those with advantage societally or those who don't have the advantage because justice has to be applied equally to both. It mm-hmm. has to be the same standard of measurement across the board. And it goes on later in that very same chapter. And this is what love looks like. The law of God is loving. Leviticus 19, um, what is it, 20... Right at the end of the chapter, it's talking about unequal weights and measures, right? The, the measurement by which we engage in an economic affair, even applying that to the issue of the standard that we use in mm-hmm. measurement, according to what we meet out to people, according to what their due is. If we're slanting these things, then that's going to come out in the action that we take. And it is. It, it's coming out in the, the heretical belief that they hold is being manifested, Right. in the laws that they publish. Right. right. And, 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 and let's, again, get right to Barbara's comments here, but in terms of we want to approach this as Christians, like you're quoting scripture here. We're talking about the word of God. We're talking about Christian standards here. Very different methodological approach than the establishment, the pro-life establishment is doing. They, they won't be doing this. They will quote scripture a lot when they're fundraising for their pro-life, um, their pro-life work over the next year. They'll talk about, you know, we are, fit to, we are knit together in our mother's wombs. We're all in the image of God. They'll talk about that when they're raising funds for what they say is going to be their fight in the future, but they will not uh, talk about Jesus, repentance and faith, 
murder, the law of God against, uh, against killing. And in, in particular, the standards here we have in Scripture, for example, you mentioned unequal weights and measures. That's in a number of places in Scripture. Yeah. God is, he calls it an abomination. When you, when you are partial and you use unequal weights and measures, he calls it an abomination. Right. So but it's an, in the law, and then it's applied in the wisdom literature, which exactly. you're going to quote from. Exactly. And in, in another aspect of this that applies supremely to this issue, when we talk about the heresy of the pro-life movement and them saying that the mother who kills her child, or even the father who kills their child uh, in, via abortion, is, is to be seen as a victim and not guilty. Scripture also says in Proverbs 17, 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So there's two aspects there. We usually can clearly, firmly grasp that second um, aspect where it says, whoever justifies, sorry, whoever condemns the righteous is an abomination. None of us want that. We all understand that. You get an innocent man or woman in court, condemnation coming down on an innocent man is heartbreaking. There's, there's whole movies and television shows right now about that very concept of people who are wrongly put on death row mm-hmm. or young men who were accused of crimes they didn't do. They were called guilty in court and people throw their hands up and they say, this is an injustice. You can never do that. You cannot condemn a righteous person. I mean, there's some moving things right now out. Movies, TV shows, I mean, they'll move you uh, and just you'd be horrified at like the, the, the corruption around the police department at times where they're throwing these, these boys in jail or something, you know, like, like, like conjuring up and, and fixing the evidence in such a way. You know, you see that in the life of Jesus when you have the false yep. witnesses being gathered against him in court. Everyone recognizes when you read that narrative, you're like, this is unbelievable. How did these people have so much evil and darkness in their hearts to actually be looking for false witnesses to bring against an innocent man. We all see that second aspect, but it's the first one we miss and has everything to do with the heresy of the pro-life establishment. And that's where it says, um, he who acquits the wicked or the guilty, Hmm. acquits the guilty, acquits the wicked. So when the pro-life establishment, uh, Brent Leatherwood, uh, National Right to Life, Louisiana Right to Life, when they say of the woman who brings the child in to be slaughtered when they say not guilty, when according to God's law, they in fact are guilty Mm -hmm. and culpable, willingly bringing their child in for an abortion. And they say, no, sweetie, you are not guilty. That is an abomination to God. It's it's, as, as detested by God as you feel when you see any of the evidence of somebody in court being condemned, even though they're righteous, you detest that. God detests when you say of somebody they are not guilty when they, in fact, are guilty. And that's what's being put into practice and official doctrine of the pro-life establishment. And now, of course, the ERLC. So that brings us to Barber, new president of the SBC. He's been tweeting. He's been a lot. Tweet- he's been tweeting. As Brian said, you know, he wanted to be a unifier, but now he's coming against the voted on position by members of the SBC and actually engaging with Southern Baptist convention pastors who are supposed to be responsible for the resolution. Yeah. Responsible for the resolution. And and we're supposed to be a unifier here. Okay. All right. uh, Then, then let's talk about the ignorance of the tweets. I'll let you guys start the discussion. Yeah. Well, it was the ERLC and their account on Twitter that announced the unanimous appointment of Brent Leatherwood as the next president. And so that was the announcement and then uh, Pastor Dusty Devers had retweeted that tweet and said, In Louisiana this spring and at the SBC annual meeting this summer, Brent Leatherwood cited against the innocent preborn. Now he leads the ethics and policy arm of the SBC. We glory in our shame. 
So that was the tweet that invited the response uh, from Bart Barber, who's the newly elected head of the SBC convention. And um, I can, you know, read the thread in its entirety or we can go through it. Yeah, let's let's at a time. Let's let's let's, a long (laughs) thing to say about. it. Yeah, well, let's go to his first his first tweet. Okay. about uh, let's read that first tweet so we can gauge a bit with his comments. I want to try to make sure we we do this as faithful as we can. Okay. so he retweeted and he said, quote, this tweet represents the lowest point of dishonesty to which we can descend when we sell out to the crass tone of secular politics instead of following the way of Christ. Now that's interesting to me that not trying to assign motive here, but it makes one wonder about the projection of one's own behavior mm-hmm. upon to someone else, because we're sitting here arguing that the pro-life movement doesn't stand on scripture. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you call that? Well, secular reasoning. That's what they're using mm-hmm. to uh, advance their position mm-hmm. is this unbiblical nature of the human person and the woman and all of that and not standing on the Bible to Myth and neutrality. have the basis for their, their laws come across. And yet right. the accusation is you're engaging in secular politics instead of following the way of Christ. Right. When it's, when it's these SBC pastors... An abolitionist who are saying, no, the Bible has to be the guide. You got to stand on that. <laughs> you got a reason from resolution. Yeah, it's you got scripture, scripture, yeah, scripture, scripture. Reason from scripture. Yeah. That the, yeah. the complaint, as everyone understands that, is a fantastic point. The complaint is that it's the establishment right. that is not standing on scripture in this fight. Right, right. That's the issue. And so, Pastor Brian, go ahead and engage a bit here, too. Yeah, I mean, as I look at his tweets here, it, it's just incredible. Once again, Uh, He says Devers is attacking the consistent pro-life position of the Southern Baptist Convention. No, Devers is actually asserting the position of the Southern Baptist Convention, which was voted on by the messengers. Because as Baptists, we don't believe in a top-down approach to things. We don't believe that the president gets to decree from on high what the position is. No, the messengers of the churches decided that abolition is the official position of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we voted for laws that totally abolish abortion and give equal protection to the child in the womb so that no one has legal immunity to kill preborn children. And the president of the SBC is rejecting the official adopted position of the SBC. And then he's slandering pastors like Dusty Devers, who still support the official position of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I just have to say, the way that he attacks Devers personally is totally unbecoming, not only of the leader of the largest denomination in America that has over 45,000 churches, but it's unbecoming of a pastor. What kind of pastor first off, misrepresents the other position. We can get into that in a moment because he he says that we wouldn't allow women to have ectopic pregnancies Mm -hmm. removed and things like that, which is just untrue. It's just untrue. And either Bart Barber doesn't know it or he doesn't care. He would rather slander us. I don't know which it is, but he says all of these things and attacks in such a vicious way. A pastor like Dusty Devers or myself who simply wants to abolish abortion and who supports the official platform of the Southern Baptist Convention to abolish abortion. It is really destructive. When our churches 
fund the work of the Southern Baptist Convention. When our people give money, we give billions of dollars to the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't, I don't know if people know this, but the SBC has over $30 billion in assets. And wow. now they're using six seminaries. They're using two missions agencies. They're using the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. They, they are seizing all of these things that our churches have bought and paid for, and they're using it against us because we support the official position of the SBC, and then they slander us if we complain about it. Um, we have a right to speak on this because as Baptists, we believe that the churches get the final say, not the president of the SBC. Not only is he biblically wrong, but he has rejected what the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention have said is our official position. Right. And so another comment that he made was regarding ectopic pregnancies. It's coming, yeah. Yeah. So the next couple tweets here, real, real quick. Since 1980, we, being the Southern Baptist Convention, have consistently said that abortion should be illegal unless the life of the mother would be in peril if the pregnancy were to continue, such as in the case of an ectopic pregnancy. That means, don't miss this, that Southern Baptists have not supported exceptions permitting abortion in cases of rape or incest. Ours is not a moderate position. It is certainly not a position that is against the innocent preborn. And then what's coming after this is kind of a, a laundry list of all that they've done to demonstrate the fact that they're truly pro-life, you know, taking care of, you know, pregnancy centers, funding those, all of the, that, that kind of thing. But I think it's what really struck me about his whole, you know, presentation here is this is exactly the kind of argumentation that's employed by the other side mm -hmm. when it comes to the exceptional cases being weaponized as emotional devices used to tug on your heartstrings in order to eclipse the overwhelming majority of abortions and for the reasons for which they happen. If you're bringing up ectopic pregnancies, if you're bringing up life of the mother, rape, incest, again, like those exceptional cases, we're talking about less than 10%. Yeah. of all abortions, oh, maybe yeah. less than that, less than 5% yeah, well, yeah, less, of all less abortions. Than that, exactly. And if you're going to adopt the premise of your enemy and the same reason that they argue against these bills, which are consistent, they say, well, you know, what about the life of the mother? Well, you know, what if she's raped and all of this stuff? And if you're going to adopt that line of argumentation to argue against equal protection, it's greatly concerning that that's the kind of opposition that you're mounting against this, the same type that uh, the other side does that wants abortion on demand. Exactly. And that's what happened to us in Louisiana. I mean, Pastor Brian can attest to this. You know, we're there in Louisiana watching the people who a week prior voted for this to pass the hearing stage uh, get flipped by the establishment, the pro-life establishment. And now they're arguing on the floor against Representative Danny McCormick, a man who's a man of God, loves the Lord, was just trying to do it right by these children. And now they're arguing against him. And the arguments that they're using are exactly what you're talking about. They're talking about the exceptional cases. They, to fight against the bill that they had said they, they agreed with completely, behind closed doors, they said that this bill is right. It needs to pass. Uh, they said, let's let's do it a year from now. You had all kinds of stuff like that being suggested to us. And we we're like, no, we can't delay justice. Proverbs 3 says not to withhold good. We can't we can't do those. Sort of, that's why I read that, by the way, at the beginning of the uh, show today. But they were using these cases like they were even lying. They were saying, well, this would uh, criminalize IVF. Not true. Uh, they were saying that this would uh, criminalize a woman who had a miscarriage. 
completely not true. Um, and talking about things like ectopic pregnancies. They, these are the same arguments being used by the opposition exactly. to keep abortion legal. Exactly. These are the emotionally laden argument arguments that are used to, um, uh, to, to lie about the bills themselves or to manipulate people's emotions so they don't want to pass them. And so uh, let's just talk about that for a moment here because yep. I think it's important. The issue of a miscarriage. No bill of equal protection is criminalizing a woman because of a miscarriage. We have a fallen, it's a fallen world. Babies die in the womb naturally, and uh, it's always a tragic situation when that actually does occur. I mean, I've done, uh, I just recently did a funeral, a literal burial for a miscarriage, uh, literally an actual funeral going with the casket, burying the child in a graveyard with a service surrounding it because it was a tragic situation. Do you think in my mind as a pastor who fights against the issue of abortion and wants equal protection that I was thinking to myself while I'm doing that funeral, this mother's guilty? No, it was tragic. We were yeah. crying our eyes out together over this tragic circumstance. No, it is completely untrue. A miscarriage is not a willful termination of a pregnancy. Willful termination of a pregnancy. Yeah. So it doesn't even apply at all. It's emotional manipulation. And the issue of an ectopic pregnancy or when the life of the mother is truly in danger, that's not a willful abortion either. Right. That's a life-saving operation exactly right. where you're trying to preserve human life and it is equally as tragic as the miscarriage right. you are doing what you can in a fallen world under these circumstances to preserve human life not just to execute a child it doesn't apply and the issue of ivf this bill does nothing to stop the good that can come from ivf but what it would do there's no question about this, is it would actually cause people who are in the IVF industry to firm up their commitments to the creation of life and preservation of life that they say that they want in their industry. They want to create human life and preserve human life so that it's successfully implanted and this baby is born, right? That's what they say they want. That's why they're in business. People can't get pregnant. IVF's an option. Creation, preservation, birth. That's the train they're trying to get through. What it would say is you cannot just willy-nilly create a bunch of human lives right. and then destroy them. So yeah, it would have that impact on the IVF industry, actually making them be consistent with the standards they say they hold to, but it, it doesn't do away with IVF. It just strengthens their commitments to the creation and preservation of life. And so, uh, and I'll pass it over to Brian. Brian, I want you to answer right after this. So Bradley Pierce, our attorney, who helps us to write these bills in all these states, he responded to Barber's ignorance. He, the, here's, the, here's the point. Mr. Barber, brother, you don't know the law. You don't understand how this works. You're clearly ignorant. And I don't mean that in throwing a stone at you. I mean that in the classical sense. You're ignorant. And you're leaving a public record of ignorance on this issue. When you bring up the issue of ectopic pregnancies, Bradley Pierce wrote back to you, sir, your ignorance here would be laughable if your claims weren't so destructive. These right. screenshots disprove your claims, more in the thread. When a bill doesn't include this, this, and even when it does, it's existing law. You don't need to recreate a law that already exists. In other words, what Bradley's saying there is you don't need to write in every piece of legislation, rewrite the laws that already exist in that state. When you're writing a bill of equal protection, you're writing a bill of definition, you're writing a bill of protection, and you don't have to, in that, uh, that bill you're writing that protects all human life as equal, you don't have to rehash every law that's already on the books. 
right? So you don't need to write in all the exceptions for a topic and all the other things when those laws already are present within the state. And so if you go look at the thread, Barber's thread, you'll see Bradley Pierce provides actual screenshots of the law itself, the law that was written and the laws that already exist in the state of Louisiana. And so here's the point, Mr. Barber, brother, you're wrong. You're leaving a record of ignorance and the record of ignorance you're leaving and what you're engaging in is actually helping to propagate the lies of the pro-choicers. Yeah. It's keeping it legal. Brother, what you're doing is destructive. I've, look, I've said this and I, and I mean it. I'm not a perfect man. I have a lot of failures. I'm not a perfect pastor, but I can tell you right now that, um, that, that I, I, I have full confidence in what I'm saying right now, okay? I've said this many times. Alan Seabaugh, the man on the floor in Louisiana who fought against our bill, um, Brent Leatherwood, who helped with the letter to kill our bill in Louisiana, these men and others like them are guilty. The blood is on their hands. Mm. The babies who are dying in Louisiana mm. are their responsibility right now. In yep. other words, they are accountable. Now, I hope these men trust in Christ and those sins have been covered, but in terms of actually what you're guilty for, you are guilty, really guilty, for all the blood that's being shed in Louisiana right now because you resisted the bill that would have established justice for the preborn. And I fear for men like this. Uh, Mr. Barber, when you are resisting the work of the church to provide equal protection for all humans, you're fighting against it. You're going to be held accountable for that. You're going to be held accountable for that. And praise God, we have a perfect Savior who forgives sins. But in terms of what you're actually guilty of, there's, there, there's going to be a day of reckoning. I believe, and you're guilty for these things. So don't resist what God is doing um, because clearly there is one side here operating on the basis of scripture and another side that is not. Pastor Brian? Yeah, I wanted to kind of back up and give a little more context of how this all went down in Louisiana because it plays into what uh, Bart Barber is saying here. So uh, when the bill went to committee, uh, it was on May 4th of this year and it was funny because alan seaball when he voted in favor of the bill he didn't just say yes he shouted absolutely you see alan seaball was enthusiastically supporting hb 813 the bill to abolish abortion uh but then just eight short days later by may 12th uh, when the bill went to the house floor for a vote of all 105 members of the house of representatives alan seaball led to the charge to kill House Bill 813. And what had happened was the pro-life establishment got to him and they told him, don't you dare abolish abortion in Louisiana. We do not want it to be a crime for mother to kill their children in the womb. And he got in line and he dutifully went to the microphone and he said things that he knew were lies. But getting off of Alan Seaball for a moment, there was one group in that committee hearing back when all of these pro-life legislators were in support of our bill and we would have had the votes to pass the bill had we voted on May 4th before the pro-life establishment got to them. There was one group in that meeting who was making all the same arguments that Bart Barber is making today. They were the abortion industry lobbyists from Planned Parenthood and NARAL and others. They came into that meeting and they said, what about IVF? What about women who are coerced into having abortions? Uh, what about uh, miscarriages? What about ectopic pregnancies? You would have a woman who has an ectopic pregnancy removed, charged with murder. 
And we said, no, no, we wouldn't. That's that's not abortion. And, and that's not prohibited under this bill. Not at all. Now, Bart Barber is borrowing the arguments of the abortion industry, of NARAL and Planned Parenthood. Since when does the president of the Southern Baptist Convention use the talking points of Planned Parenthood to try to stop us from abolishing abortion? This is very serious, what he's doing. And the other thing is this. Bart Barber in this tweet thread and the one that came after it, he consistently talks about ectopic pregnancies being an exception in which abortion should be allowed. Uh, Bart, I, I, if you hear this, brother, listen very carefully. Removing an ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. Abortion is not health care, sir. Abortion is murder. And, and if you don't understand that, please stop speaking about this issue publicly. Because the 45,000 churches that you are supposed to represent, you, you, you are pretending as if we somehow think that abortion is health care, so we have to allow it under the circumstance of an ectopic pregnancy. Bart, abortion is the intentional destruction of an innocent human life. Removing an ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. It's a life-saving procedure. That would not be banned under abolition bills. And when you suggest that there are circumstances in which abortion should be allowed, you are giving in to the abortion industry's argument that abortion is health care, so we have to allow it under these circumstances. Mm. Sir, that is simply foolish, and you are helping the abortion industry when you use their arguments in that way. The principle there, Pastor Brian, that you're appealing to is and it's behind all of this. Everything that we're saying, everything that we're doing is the principle in Scripture of the preservation of human life. So what we're saying in the issue of abortion at will um, is the preservation of human life is the principle. No, that shall not be permitted. When you're talking about circumstances that actually occur within a fallen world, like an ectopic pregnancy, you're still applying the principle of preservation of human life. That's the issue preserve human life. If you have an instance where actually both mother and baby could die unless there is is a move to the preservation of human life, you have to understand it's the preservation of human life that forces you to say, save life. And if the only way here we can preserve human life is by saving the life of the mother in the instance of an ectopic pregnancy, you save the mother's life. I, I often use this because I think it's easy for us to understand. If you're by the edge of a cliff and there's a car about to fall over and you've got mother and baby inside the car or two people are about to die and you can only grab one of them, what, what are you yeah. going to do? Let them both die? No, like you try to save a life and that's not abortion at will. And so that's, that's a key issue here. And, and Pastor Brian is right. These arguments have been used by the opposition to keep abortion at will legal. Remember that. Like we've often said, and you guys have probably heard this a million times uh, over the years, uh, the issue that we constantly face where you have the leftists, the pro-choicers, pro-aborts, saying uh, rape, incest, life of the mother. They will use what is less than 2% of all abortions on record to justify the other 98%, because in reality, if you were to say to them, okay, great, we'll give you rape, incest, life of the mother, but can we go ahead and abolish the other 98%? They'll say, 
uh uh-uh. Because that's not really what they were saying to begin with. They're trying to use that as an emotional play to get you to allow the other 98%. And in this case, same situation. Barber is using the arguments that have been used to kill bills of equal protection that are fallacious arguments. He's using these arguments that actually maintain abortion. That's that's a clear instance of of this actually occurring. And it, and and you know it was it was a terrible thing. And you know Brian said something there. He just went through it quickly. You mentioned that Alan Seabaugh knew that the arguments that he was using were false. How did he know? He knew because Pastor Brian and myself. Zach Lautenschlager and Bradley Pierce had actually spent time with him days before this in meetings behind closed doors, face-to-face, refuting all of these arguments. They were refuted. So he went to the floor knowing that these arguments were false, that they had been refuted, and he used them anyways, and he kept abortion legal in the state of Louisiana. He knew they were false, but he still used them. And they were the same arguments that the pro-choicers were using against the bill. But here's the thing that people need to hear. Though the pro-choicers were using these arguments against the bill in Louisiana, they didn't even have to show up to make them because it was actually the pro-life legislators and politicians and the establishment that was actually making them for them on the floor. The pro-choicers didn't even show up. I mean, that day, I forget, what was it, Brian? That day when we were in the Capitol, what were there, like three? Like maybe three or four pro-choicers that actually showed up? Yeah, if that, it was just a few. Yeah, like three or four pro-choicers that showed up on the day of a bill at the Capitol, on the floor, where there was a bill of abolition. Yeah. And like three pro-choicers were there in attendance. Like, because they, they knew they didn't have they didn't to, to show up. Yeah. It was the establishment that was making the arguments yeah. for with, them. With friends like that, who needs enemies? Exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I think the question at the bottom is, is, we know why, you know, progressives make these arguments where they you know, pull on the emotions and, you know, in the name of caring about the victim, enrich themselves. That's how they drive through their agenda is they, they use the language, they deconstruct it. Why? To get you to care about the victim so that you support their actions and their policies. But really those actions just lead to their own enrichment. So we know why they're making the arguments, rape, incest, life of the mother, ectopic pregnancy. My question is, why are you making the exactly. argument right why are you using it that's right. exactly right and i actually that's what i was going to say is i don't want to you know we, we want to be careful not to accuse bart or these men of anything but my concern is it's showing how they really feel about babies yeah right and i know that's what you were thinking when you said that like yeah. you know that's i think that's the most surprising thing to me is coming from christian men um this why why be dishonest about that why call an abortion when you you as a christian should should view an ectopic pregnancy or life of the mother as a rescue mission why are you referring to it as an abortion um and you know the question is is that showing how you feel about babies and children so Mm, yeah pastor brian uh we're gonna close the show i heard today thank you for joining us um where can people go right now to support you how can people be praying for you Absolutely. Uh, I started a new abolitionist organization in Louisiana called Protect Life. So you can go to our website, protectlifenow.org. You can learn about us. But essentially, the goal of this new organization 
is to pass a bill of equal protection in the state of Louisiana. So if people want to give to help us in that cause, we will be bringing another bill to abolish abortion in Louisiana in the next legislative session. We will do this by proposing equal protection for the preborn child in the womb. And that means that the same laws that protect your life and mine would then also protect the child in the womb so that no one has the right to kill a child in the womb in Louisiana. It's very simple. That's our position. Life begins at conception. So the laws which protect life should do so from the moment of conception, not from the moment of birth, which is the position of the pro-life establishment. And, and, you know, if we as the churches of the living God would come together and demand for the abolition of abortion, it would happen. Right. I, I, I mean, yeah, amen. we need to understand this, guys. We have the opportunity to end abortion in states like Louisiana and many others across this nation, but the churches have to rise up and do it. And I started Protect Life because I am absolutely committed to passing a law of equal protection in Louisiana and finally abolishing abortion in this state. And we need the churches to get behind what we're doing. You're right, Pastor Brian. I've said that as well, that abortion will end in this nation when the Christian church demands it. That's right. When, yeah. Sounds when, absolutely right. Sounds very post-millennial. Yeah, 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 of us, of you and I. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's the truth. When the Christian church rises up to actually demand it, it will end, which is why Pastor Brian and Zach and Luke, why we're on the show today engaging with Bart Barber's um, comments. Because what we're saying is, when you're the president of the SBC mm-hmm. and you're making these fallacious arguments, you are only perpetuating the problem yeah. and you're delaying justice for the preborn. Because if you would be on the biblical and right and consistent side, you would be a part of encouraging all of God's people in the SBC to actually stand up. I, I, I'll go as far as this. I believe this. If, if the entire population of the Southern Baptist Convention was consistent on this issue— and demand of, the, of their legislators in their own states that they actually abolish abortion, that's all we would need. Just, yep. the, just the members of the Southern Baptist Convention. I believe that. We wouldn't necessarily just need the Presbyterians or whatever. Just the SBC alone, if we had them so committed, each person and demanding of their legislators to abolish it, it'd be over. We'd end it. What we ha- have over 1,600 Southern Baptist Convention churches in Louisiana. What do you think would happen if people from 1,600 churches showed up at our state legislature next spring and demanded that they pass the bill of abolition? It's over. It would pass. It's over. Yeah, those those legislators who need those votes would know what their duty is. Yeah. And they would do it. So now the only question is the church going to stand up and demand it, or are we going to allow abortion to continue? That's right. And, and, and the issue of today's show— was not to create unnecessary controversy in the body of Christ. I, I think that we need to fight against disunity in the body. We need to be willing to look over things that are side issues. Um, uh, we need to be able to say, look, we have these disagreements, but it's okay. Let's serve the Lord together. Let's fight together. Let's, let's do what's right together. But, you know, this, this is an issue where you, you have to have unity. You have to have um, consistency together. And, um, and I look, I'll just I'll end it with this. Brian's right. If if we could get those 1,600 
Southern Baptist Convention churches in Louisiana to do what's right before God, they'll end abortion. Yeah. They'll end it. And uh, that's the same for every state in our union. And so let's do it. And Bar- Barber's uh, comments are, are not helping. And so we, well, I'll just give another invitation. This is such an important issue. Um, brother, Barber, if you see this, I um, want to encourage you. We would fund a sit down with Pastor Brian, myself, and others who are leading in this movement. Uh, you're talking to the people who are responsible for this stuff. Um, uh, we are with a, a number of churches across the country, but there's a small group of sort of leadership that works these bills and gets them in place. We'll sit down at a round table. We'll fund the entire thing so we can talk face to face as brothers and have understanding. And so well, I'll give that invitation. We will fully fund that sit down privately so we can understand one another and we can glorify God together and have unity around this issue. And so there's the invitation. I hope you take it. Um, Pastor Brian, thank you, brother. We love you, man. Thank you for uh, coming on the show last minute as well. Thank you for standing for the truth, guys. Thank you, brother. Looking, love you, bro. for, looking forward to seeing you soon. Looking forward to more work in Louisiana. Louisiana. Absolutely. Louisiana. All right, brother. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching the show today. Go to endabortionnow.com to sign your churches up, to get free training and resources, save lives. Don't forget to also give there. All the states that we're going into next year with all the bills of abolition, all the churches we're raising up to do it. We need your support. Prayerful financial support, endabortionnow.com. That's Luke the Bear. So real quick, I uh, was going to mention, we didn't get to talk about Ireland. Sorry for those that were, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that hopefully next week. Yeah. But you know, I was going to say, you know what the worst part of that trip was dealing with nsa.gov nsa.gov they're awful coming back you know what i'm saying yes but you know who's <laughs> who is awesome is nsa.edu yes they're great and yeah. they're partnering with us nsa.edu new st andrews moscow idaho you should get your kids i reached there. deep in the bag for that one yeah yeah get your kids there for classes we love those guys they are doing great work out there uh make sure you check out nsa if you've got kids going to college NSA. You'll love it. Luke the Bear. Zach Conover, Director of Communications at End Abortion Now. If you sign your church up, you're going to be talking to him. You get free training and free resources. I'm Jeff the Common Ninja. We'll catch you next week right here on Apologia Radio. Apologia Radio.